poets and intellectuals of this time. The innovative minds. The intelligentsia. Those that are breaking down the barriers and choosing a bohemian existence, escaping from dreary suburban ideals and materialistic death traps. Where are these engaging people? The risk takers. The revolutionaries. Those living apart from this big unrest. Those escaping the sterility of corporate junkies who get high on materialistic consumption. Welcome to the Bohemian Beat. We will journey beyond the horizon and find the artists living on the edge, going down into the murky waters of their very existence, where these brave souls have re-emerged with art that is challenging, original, and brutal. You have tuned in to The Bohemian Beat. I'm Riddy, with you for another hour of poetry and music. And let's ease in with some music. Waiting for the stars to align. 
Vitalik with Waiting for the Stars. Today we will start with a poem by Emily Bronte, who lived between 1818 and 1848. She wrote only one novel, Wuthering Heights, published in 1847, a romantic masterpiece. The work was not as popular as Jane Eyre, written by her sister Charlotte Bronte. Um, it was even more strongly condemned for its brutality, its lack of conventional morality and its glorification of romantic passion. The following poem by Emily Bronte is called Stars, first published in 1846. Given the strict moral codes of the times, it can be argued that she employed the metaphor of stars and nature to represent other objects and themes. In the 12 stanzas of the poem, the speaker addresses the stars directly, professing her love for them, while criticising the fierce and blood-red sun. Stars Ah, why, because the dazzling sun restored our earth to joy, have you departed every one and left a desert sky? All through the night your glorious eyes were gazing down in mine, and with a full heart's thankful sighs, I blessed that watch divine. I was at peace, and drank your beams as they were life to me, and reveled in my changeful dreams like petrol on the sea. Thought followed thought, star followed star, through boundless regions on, while one sweet influence near and far thrilled through and proved us one. Why did the morning dawn to break so great, so pure a spell, and scorch with fire the tranquil cheek where your cool radiance fell? Blood-red he rose, and arrow-straight his fierce beam struck my brow. The soul of nature sprang elate, but mine sank sad and low. My lids closed down, yet through their veil I saw him blazing still, and steep in gold the misty dale, and flash upon the hill. I turned me to the pillow then, to call back night, and see your words of solemn light again throb with my heart and me. It would not do. The pillow glowed and glowed both roof and floor, and birds sang loudly in the wood, and fresh winds shook the door. The curtains waved, the wakened flies were murmuring round my room, imprisoned there till I should rise and give them leave to roam. Oh, stars and dreams and gentle night, oh, night and stars, return! And hide me from the hostile light that does not warm but burn, that drains the blood of suffering men, drinks tears instead of dew. Let me sleep through his blinding rain and only wake with you. Fell on 
with The Furtherest Star. And before that, Eve Carp reading the poem Stars by Emily Bronte. The Bronte sisters were greatly influenced by the Romantic poets, especially Lord Byron, who was the most colourful of the English Romantic poets, who lived between 1788 and 1824. Many people find his adventurous life as interesting as his poetry. This next poem by Lord Byron is called The First Kiss of Love. The First Kiss of Love by Lord Byron. Away with your fictions of flimsy romance, those tissues of falsehood which folly has wove. Give me the mild beam of the soul-breathing glance or the rapture which dwells on the first kiss of love. Ye rhymers whose bosoms with fantasy glow, whose pastoral passions are made for the grove, from what blessed inspirations your sonnets would flow. Could you ever tasted the first kiss of love? If Apollo should ever his assistance refuse, or the nine be disposed from your service to rove, invoke them no more but adieu to the muse, and try the effect of the first kiss of love. I hate you, 
ye cold compositions of art. Though prudes may condemn me and bigots reprove, I caught the effusions that spring from the heart, which throbs with delight to the first kiss of love. Your shepherds, your flocks, those fantastical themes, perhaps may amuse, yet they never can move. Arcadia displays but a region of dreams. What are visions like these to the first kiss of love? Oh, cease to affirm that man, since his birth, from Adam till now, has with wretchedness strove. Some portion of paradise still is on earth, and Eden revives in the first kiss of love. When age chills the blood, when our pleasures are past, for years fleet away with the wings of the dove, the dearest remembrance will still be the last, our sweetest memorial, the first kiss of love. to the Bohemian 
Beat, broadcasting nationally since 2007 across the community radio network. We just heard King Charles with New Orleans. And before that, Tim Graham reading a poem by the English romantic poet Lord Byron called The First Kiss of Love. From the rapture of a first kiss to the cynical realisation of the sheer impossibility of finding the perfect woman leads us to this woeful poem by the English metaphysical poet John Donne called Song, often known by its first line, Go and Catch a Falling Star, published posthumously in 1633 in the volume entitled Songs and Sonnets. It was written by Donne in his youth when he was engaging in London life. Back in the day, Elizabethan and the metaphysical poets lamenting together over the popular subject of women's inconsistencies, asserting their experiences and a dire warning to younger men. Go and catch a falling star, get with child a mandrake root. Tell me where all past years are, or who cleft the devil's foot. Teach me to hear mermaids singing, or to keep off envy stinging, and find what wind serves to advance an honest mind. If thou beest born to strange sights, things invisible to see, ride ten thousand days and nights till age snow white hairs on thee. Thou, when thou returnst, will tell me all strange wonders that befell thee, and swear nowhere lives a woman true and fair. If thou find'st one, let me know. Such a pilgrimage was sweet, Yet do not, I would not go, though at next door we might meet. Though she were true when you met her, and last till you write your letter, yet she will be false ere I come to two or three.
that was Beth Orton with Stars All Seem to Weep. And before that, Richard Burton reading a poem by the English metaphysical poet John Donne called Song, Go and Catch a Falling Star. In this next poem by the romantic poet John Keats called Bright Star, the speaker talks to the star. The poem is thought to have been written in the last week of February 1819, immediately after his engagement. Bright Star by John Keats Bright star, would I were steadfast as thou art, not in lone splendour hung aloft the night, and watching with eternal lids apart, like nature's patient, sleepless eremite, the moving waters at their priest-like task of pure ablution round earth's human shores, or gazing on the new soft-fallen mask of snow upon the mountains and the moors. No, yet still steadfast, still unchangeable, pillowed upon my fair love's ripening breast, to feel forever its soft fall and swell, awake forever in a sweet unrest, still, still to hear her tender taken breath, and so live ever, or else swoon to death.
This is a bohemian beat, and that was Steve Wilson with Deform to Form a Star. And before that, Alex Jennings reading a poem by the English Romantic poet John Keats called Bright Star. The poetry of the Australian poet Banjo Patterson, who lived between 1864 and 1941, mostly presented a highly romantic view of the bush and the iconic figure of the bushman. Banjo Patterson, who lived between 1864 and 1941, came to prominence during the Victorian era. This next poem by Banjo Patterson is called The Daylight is Dying. The Daylight is Dying. The daylight is dying away in the west. The wild birds are flying in silence to rest, in leafage and frondage where shadows are deep, they pass to its bondage, the kingdom of sleep. And watched in their sleeping by stars in the height, they rest in your keeping, O wonderful night. When night doth her glories of starshine unfold, tis then that the stories of bushland are told. Unnumbered, I hold them, in memories bright, but who could unfold them or read them aright, beyond all denials, 
The stars in their glories, the breeze in the miles, are part of these stories. The waving of grasses, the song of the river that sings as it passes forever and ever, the hobble chains rattle, the calling of birds, the lowing of cattle must blend with the words. Without these, indeed, you would find it ere long as though I should read you the words of a song that lamely would linger when attacking the rune, the voice of a singer, the lilt of the tune. But as one half hearing an old time refrain with memory clearing recalls it again, these tales roughly wrought of the bush and its ways may call back a thought of the wandering days and blending with each in the memories that throng there, haply shall reach you some echo of song. If I could be your star I would brighten light your world I'd play a song on my guitar And you could be my sky place where I could shine then hide and fall into the night If I was way out far like a lighthouse in the dark, I'd shine an ever loving light I'd whisper songs on my guitar Gently hold you with my eyes And I'd be your sunset I would close down all the bad But promise the next best day ahead If I was way out far Like a lighthouse in the dark I shine an ever-loving light I'd whisper songs on my guitar Endless courage Discovers why I, I want to be in your life And like your world, I play a song on my guitar. Then you could be my sky, a place where I could shine and hide and fall into the night. If I was way out far, like a lighthouse in the dark, I'd shine and never love.
are listening to The Bohemian Beat and we just heard Star by Sarah Stora. And before that, Jack Thompson reading the poem The Daylight is Dying by Banjo Patterson. Banjo Patterson's first collection of poetry titled The Man from Snowy River and Other Verses, published in 1895, sold out in the first week of publication. Its particular achievement was to establish the Bushman in the national consciousness as a romantic and archetypal figure. The title poem, The Man from Snowy River, had swept the colonies when it was first published five years prior. The poem is about a horseback pursuit to recapture the colt of a prize-winning racehorse that escaped from its paddock and is living with the wild mountain horses. The poem, The Man from Snowy River, by Banjo Patterson, is performed by students from Mullumbimby High School. There was movement at the station, for the word had passed around that the colt from Old Regret had got away and had joined the wild bush horses. It was worth a thousand pound, so the cracks had gathered to the fray. All the tried and noted riders from the stations near and far had mustered at the homestead overnight. For the bushmen love hard riding where the wild bush horses are, and the stock horses snuffs the battle with delight. There was Harrison, who made his pile when Pardon won the cup, the old man with his hair as white as snow. But few could ride beside him when his blood was fairly up. He'd go wherever horse and man could go. Clancy of the overflow came down to lend a hand. No better horseman ever held the reins. For never horse could throw him while the saddle girths would stand. He learnt to ride while droving on the plains. At one was there, a stripling on a small, weedy beast. He was something like a racehorse undersized, with a touch of tim or pony, three parts thoroughbred at least, and such as are by the mountain horsemen prized. He was hard and tough and wily, just the sort that won't say die. There was courage in his quick, impatient tread. He bore the badge of gameness in his bright, fiery eyes and the proud and lofty carriage of his head. But still so slight and weedy, one would doubt his power to stay. And the old man said, that horse will never do. For a long and tiring gallop, lad, you'd better stop away. Those hills are far too rough for such as you. So he waited, sad and wistful. Only Clancy stood his friend. I think we ought to let him come, he said. I warrant he'll be with us when he's wanted at the end. For both his horse and he are mountain bred. He hails from Snowy River, up by Kosciuszko's side, where the hills are twice as steep and twice as rough where a horse's hoofs strike firelight from the Flintstones every stride. The man that holds his own is good enough, and the snowy river riders on the mountains make their home. Where the rivers run those giant hills between, I have seen full many horsemen since I first commenced to roam, but nowhere yet such horsemen have I seen. So he went. They found the horses by the big mimosa clump. They raced away towards the mountain's brow, and the old man gave his orders. Boys... Go at him from the jump. No use to try for fancy riding now. And Clancy, you must wheel them. Try and wheel them to the right. Ride boldly, lad, and never fear to spills. For never yet was rider that could keep the mob in sight if once they gained the shelter of those hills. So Clancy rode to wheel them. He was racing on the wing where the best and boldest riders take their place. And he raced his stock horse past them and he made the rangers ring with the stock whip as he met them face to face. Then he halted for a moment while he swung the dreaded lash, and they saw their well-loved mountain full in view. And they charged beneath the stock whip with a sharp and sudden dash, and off into the mountain scrub they flew. 
Then fast the horsemen followed, where the gorges deep and black resounded to the thunder of their tread, and the stockwhips woke the echoes, and they fiercely answered back from cliffs and crags that beetled overhead. And upward, ever upward, the wild horses held their way, where mountain ash and Kurajong grew wide. And the old man muttered fiercely, We may bid the mob good day, no man can hold them down the other side. When they reached the mountain's summit, even Clancy took a pull. It well might make the boldest hold their breath. The wild hob scrub grew thickly, and the hidden ground was full of wombat holes, and any slip was death. But the man from Snowy River let the pony have his head, and he swung his stock whip round and gave a cheer. And he raced him down the mountain like a torrent down its bed, while the others stood and watched in very fear. He sent the Flintstones flying, but the pony kept his feet. He cleared the fallen timber in his stride. And the man from Snowy River never shifted in his seat. It was grand to see that mountain horseman ride. Through the stringy barks and saplings on the rough and broken ground. Down the hillside at a racing pace he went. And he never drew the bridle till he landed safe and sound at the bottom of that terrible descent. He was right among the horses as they climbed that further hill, and the watchers on the mountain standing mute. Saw him playing the stock whip fiercely. He was right among them still as he raced across the clearing in pursuit. Then they lost him for a moment where the two mountain gullies met in the ranges, but a final glimpse revealed on a dim and distant hillside the wild horses racing yet with the man from Snowy River at their heels. And he ran them single-handed till their sides were wiped with foam. He followed like a bloodhound on their track. Till they halted, cowed and beaten. Then he turned their heads for home, and alone and unassisted brought them back. But his hardy mountain pony, he could scarcely raise a trot. He was blood from hip to shoulder from the spur. But his pluck was still undaunted, and his courage fiery hot, for never yet was mountain horse a cur. And down by Kosciuszko, where the pine-clad ridges raised their torn and rugged battlements on high, where the air is clear as crystal and the white stars fairly blaze at midnight in the cold and frosty sky, and where around the overflow the reed beds sweep and sway to the breezes and the rolling plains are wide. The man from Snowy River is a household word today, and the stockmen tell the story of his ride. Around the moon and star, cross the flats to feed. But when the dawn makes pink the sky, steals across the plain. The brumby horses turn and fly back to the hills again. Yeah. The traveler by the mountain track may hear their hoofbeats pass. Catch a glimpse of brown and black, deep shadows on the grass. The eager stock horse freaks his ears and lifts his head on high. In wild excitement when he hears the brumpy mop go by. A wild, unhandled lot they are of every shape and breed. They venture out the moon and star 
across the flats to be. But when the dawn makes pink the sky, steals across the plain. The brumby horses turn and fly back to the hills again. This is the Bohemian Beat, and we just heard Australia's Jolly Swagman with Brumbies. And before that, a poem by Banjo Patterson called The Man from Snowy River, performed by students from Mullumbimby High School. Sam, Tiger, Sam, Sebastian, Tex, Kai, Naya, Evan, Bali and Quinn. Thanks, guys, and hello. I hope you are listening. The Bohemian Beat should be in every curricula. And now, The Bohemian Beat presents our grassroots poetry segment, where we feature poets immersed in the grassroots subterranean culture, where true culture just is. First opening with a poem called At the Gold Coast Airport by Northern Rivers poet Bev Sweeney, a prize-winning poet and founding member of Dangerously Poetic Press. Her first poetry book... Pirates and Prayer was published in 2014. At the Gold Coast Airport. Face grey as ash, the old man from China slumps, chin to chest, on a metal bench near the exit door. His family flitter like noisy sparrows, flourish maps, toys and laughter around a wall of suitcases. He glowers at the floor. History tiptoes around these old ones, survivors from the years their country sizzled under edicts the colour of fire and blood. Students ignited into red guards, homes torn apart, families fractured, the little red book in every hand. Confess. Repent, denounce. Words were hot coals. Even the air had ears. The old ones bury their stories, cue to gaze at Mao's coffin, pile chrysanthemums before his marble statue. At the airport, the group heads outside. An unblemished sky, palm trees, Taxis. The children flaunt brochures. Movie world. Dream world. The old man plods after them. His luggage. A great wall of silence. Northern Rivers poet Bev Sweeney with At the Gold Coast Airport. And now to Melbourne for our broadening grassroots poetic coverage from Melbourne's vibrant community radio station, 3CR, where their grassroots poetry show, Spoken Word, showcases their diverse poetic community into a series called Spoken Word Australia. In this part, Spoken Word Australia producer Peter Davis speaks to the poet Tui Fong. Welcome to Spoken Word Australia. In this edition, we take a look at haiku in a Vietnamese style of tradition.
performed in Vietnamese by Thuy Phong. Well, I guess for me, because I've been doing a bit of Vietnamese poetry, I must admit when I write haiku, I try to steer away from the, the original the Japanese style of haiku. And when I write haiku, I, I try to say, how about if I create my own sort of version of what we call Vietnamese style haiku, whereby I can express my feeling and a bit of sentimental into the, the piece. The following are five haikus, written by Thuy Phong. Những nụ hồng tả tơi trong mưa bão, chống chọi đất trời bằng những gai xanh. The rose is left with bare branches to defend the next storm, stone bare branches and its spikes. Cục đầu, cục tay, sừng sững đối mặt trời, cây, hồi sinh. Headless, limbless, body facing the sun, the tree starts its new life. Bạc ngàn cánh đồng khô, nằm chơ thân xéo, chết, thật, khác. Sunburnt fields stretch to infinity, an egret dead as real as this thirst. Phất phơ giữa đồng, râu ria nhợt nhạt, ngô đồng cười, súng răng. Floating the field, whiskers pale, almost fading, the corn cobs have their toothless laughs. Đua nhau cơn cổ, thắt họng nhịp nhàng, đêm cốc nhái. Try their best in a wild taut chorus, all throats, a night of frogs and toads. You are listening to The Bohemian Beat, and that was from Spoken Word Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne for the Community Radio Network, with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Well, the end of the hour is upon us. I hope you've enjoyed listening to The Bohemian Beat today with me, Riddy. 
I will be back next week. Same beat time, same bohemian frequency for more poetic entertainment. And check out the website, thebohemianbeat.com for more information and podcasts. We will end with a track by Passenger called Staring at the Stars. Thank you for joining me on the Bohemian Beat. I'm ready. Tobacco stains our yellow teeth and all our fingers and underneath our fingernails that clasp on sheets as we try desperately to sleep. Hearts are sad and eyes are tired and all this red bull keeps us wide. Gives us wings, it gives us rings around our eyes. We put three sugars in our tea, sit to watch daytime TV and laugh at mums who don't know who the father is. And all our girlfriends are long gone, we watch too much internet porn. Who needs love when you've got silicon and strap-ons? Bloats our spoiled guts and shit jobs keep us in ruts and keep us sign up the what's and ifs and buts and maybes and falling over in the street is just a part of every week when we lie drunkenly just staring at the stars. Remember when they were in reach and all the teachers used to teach you can do anything if you put your mind to it. We put our minds to it all but disappointment crashed the ball. We could have done anything we just never quite knew it so. Tie your scarf on tight It's to be a cold night Tie your scarf on tight It's to be a cold night Tie your scarf on tight It's to be a cold night Tie your scarf on tight It's to be a cold night to be